You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's going on, Jermaine Johnson? Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn on the Jets podcast. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will Paul 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by founder of toj badlands um first time i've ever gotten recorded podcast with you where the jets didn't lose and they're at 500 in september joe how we doing i'm doing very well it's a, it's a refreshing thing to be talking about a win on a monday morning and to be talking about a win on a sunday night with connor that these are few and far between so you got to enjoy them when you have them and one of the wildest wins I can remember uh, since I've been following this team, uh, just still wrapping my head around what happened in that last minute and 53 seconds. Yeah. I think I, I'm not sure what I'll do with my hands. If they are two and one recording a, a podcast, <laughs> it's been a lot of, a lot of fun draft podcasts and off season stuff, but man, um, being able to kind of Jets would be in the playoffs if the, the season's, you know, ended today. So, um, you know, that's always fun to think about, but, Obviously, yesterday was nuts. There were so many different emotions. I think we both kind of thought going into it, they'd get a chance to win. I did not think that was the way they would win. I thought um, it was going to be a grinded out, pound the rock, create a couple turnovers, 20 to 13, I think I predicted. I think you were somewhat in a similar range. It was like 17, 16, or so, I don't know, whatever it was. Um, the over certainly cash, unfortunately for you, but obviously they win, you know, 31-30, insane last minute and 30. But overall, kind of what were your thoughts leaving yesterday? Because... It was a really good game up until 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then the Browns kind of just went down the field twice and it felt like, you know, uh Oh, here we go. You know, maybe a garbage time touchdown to cover, but it got out of hand kind of quickly in a, in a matter of 10 minutes, very similar to uh, the Ravens game in the third quarter, but obviously things, you know, didn't end the same. Yeah. It felt very similar to a lot of the losses they've had the last two years with this regime where they, they kind of played like well for two and a half, three quarters. This game was a little longer than that. It was like three and a half quarters, but then ultimately when it came to crunch time, they just, they didn't have the horses to, to finish the game off. And, and that really would have been the story if Nick Chubb did the right thing and just fell down or uh, they don't botch that coverage. It, you know, it's a 30 to 17 loss. It's another double digit loss. Everyone's probably focusing on what the hell happened to the defense and, uh, pressing that much more about Zach Wilson coming back. And instead, you know, Trump goes in the end zone. You get this blown coverage on Corey Davis, and then the Jets execute on an onside kick. And look, the Browns shot themselves in the foot multiple times to blow this game. However, the Jets were good enough to take advantage of it and were able to show they know how to win in a close game, which is a big thing for this team because they couldn't do it last year against Miami or Tampa or some of the other closer games they had down the stretch. They took advantage of the blown coverage. They recovered the onside kick. And then they drove the 50 yards to score the touchdown. And 
that's easier when you have a guy who is clearly as special as Garrett Wilson is going to be. Because I saw you and a couple others tweeting about it this morning, Daniel Jeremiah. You know, he was eight for 102 with probably about 50 or 60 yards and a touchdown left on the field. He was open all over the field, uh, finished with the two touchdowns, probably could have had a third at a different part of the game and was doing it from the outside, was doing it from the slot, was doing it on all different parts of the route tree and looked just uncoverable, uh, which is a hard thing to deal with. And they're not even rolling on all cylinders yet on offense, but that, that's what jumped off the page. It was a little bit, to a lesser extent, Brees Hall, who had some nice moments. He had the 23-yard run. He had the receiving touchdown. But to see the Jets have a receiver who could get open like that, and Flacco as a veteran QB, knew it right away, just locked into him. 14 targets on 42 snaps is kind of bananas, and the Jets haven't had a receiver do that since Brandon Marshall when he had some of those games. It's, it's exciting. This is why everyone was so excited about that draft class uh, because Wilson being there at 10 and the Jets actually pulling the trigger and taking the best receiver in the class when at the moment it didn't feel like it was going to be a slam dunk, it, you're seeing the early dividends. And these are the kind of wins that can turn a season around and can turn a regime around. You got to build on it, of course, but it's in some ways fluky, but they capitalized and they won. And now can you build momentum off it? Yeah, so a couple of things you kind of hit on there. One, from a Garrett Wilson perspective, the two plays in the end zone, I believe that's the drive. It was, you know, it was the end of the first half. They ended up getting the touchdown, the Brees Hall one, which, you know, the Jets have been, obviously, as Connor pointed out, they've been awful in the red zone for a long time. And you kind of didn't expect him to get it after Flacco, I think, missed him on an out route. He missed him on a stick route. Like, it was like open stuff. Any, you know, any any juice on the second one and, and that ball, and that's a touchdown, Wilson's, you know, we're talking about nine for, for 150 and three touchdowns where <laughs> it's it's pretty nuts. So, obviously, that – and it's like it almost makes you forget how good Elijah Moore – Elijah Moore might not have that have had that big game yet like he did in the middle of the year last year, but he's been efficient. He's had – I think he's only been targeted like 12 or 13 times. He's – you know, he's got seven or eight for 90 so far, and he's open all the time. These guys are open all the time. I think I would have to stat the Jets – only team in the NFL that has more than three. They have five guys that are the highest, best separators in football right now. Um, it's pretty nuts. I don't think, I think being able to beat man coverage and getting teams to play in zone, everyone, you know, once that comes back, we'll get more into it. You know, I mean, he should be back this week. If I was up to me, it's obviously not, and it likely will be Flacco. Zach was pretty good against zone coverage last year. And it was when they went to man and he got pressured and, and things kind of went awry. If teams are going to have to sit in zone against the Jets and Zach can kind of have a little bit more time, can make moves, the Jets are smart enough receivers. Corey Davis will thrive more. Elijah Moore should now thrive more, seeing more single coverage. The whole play that um, – I know Cotter Hughes put this out, but the whole play that Corey Davis had that busted coverage was because they tried to double Garrett Wilson and almost triple cover Garrett Wilson over the middle of the field, and no one paid attention to Corey Davis, who is a $13 million a year receiver. It's an accomplished guy in the league. Um, Corey Davis – been productive i know it's a garbage time touchdown by the way but wasn't really garbage time and you know if he's gonna be their number three receiver getting 60 70 yards a pop i think we'll feel good about it elijah vera tucker has now had back-to-back -back weeks where he looks every bit the part um and you go back to that trade and i know everyone likes to bash on it a lot and it's nothing against jamal but gary wilson and elijah vera tucker have been the two best offensive players the two weeks um You've been as impressed with, with AVT as I have because I think, you know, the numbers and the film and everything watching on TV looks – it all kind of matches up to him being that type of uh, that type of guy. 
Yeah, he's showing the early signs of taking that leap we want to see in year two. I think he was pretty good as a rookie, better in the run game than pass pro. He's clearly made some headway in pass pro, and he's great in the run game. And there's been some really nice moments from this running game. The numbers don't jump off the page in this game, although Brees Hall seven carries for 50 yards looks good, and you want him to get a little more action. But they had a big run from Carter that was a bogus call that should add another 23 yards there. They're, they're moving the ball pretty in an encouraging way in the run game. And that's mostly driven by him. And, and Tomlinson was better this week, substantially better than he was week one. And if they could really get in a good rhythm of balancing it out a little more now where, you know, Carter's going to stay very involved in this offense and he should, you don't want to overload Brees Hall. You know, you want to get Brees Hall some of those reps that Ty Johnson was taking, and you want to get him more touches in the second half than two. He should be a, you know, a 12 to 15 touch per game guy, I would say every week. And he's going to pop one soon with how they're blocking and with his speed to get to the second level. And then in the passing game, Moore will have his game and he will have his moments because defenses are going to start rolling more and more coverage to Wilson. And Moore is wide open all the time too. He was wide open on his three catches for 41 yards and, He'll have bigger moments where he he's able to shake free and that, and that will balance out as well. But AVT is a guy who's going to, you know, get lost in the shuffle. He doesn't play as exciting as a position as sauce or Wilson or even Johnson or Clemens or the other rookies who get more attention, but he's been very good. And if he could just stabilize that spot for a very long time, not in a dissimilar way, it's a different offensive line position, but not in a dissimilar way to way Ferguson did from, you know, 2006 to 2015, where he's just, very good every single year and starts every single game. It makes a huge difference. And they are holding up. Okay. Overall on the offensive line so far, all things considered, I think Max Mitchell has been pretty good considering the circumstances, not perfect. I think Fant was better week two than week one. They're going to have some rough patches here or there, but this Bengals defense is not on paper, at least not as good as the first two defenses that they played. So it should be a little easier for them. And again, on paper, this is not a terrible matchup for the Jets. I actually like this matchup for them better on paper than I like the Browns game. Never mind that they're going to be at home. Now, the Bengals are desperate. The Bengals are going to be favorites as they should be. They were in the Super Bowl last year. It just on paper seems like a game that matches up relatively well for the Jets to be really competitive. Yeah, you hit a, you hit a couple of things there. Um, one, from an offensive line perspective, look, I mean, they're averaging four, 4.8 to carry. They haven't run the ball quite as much. I think only 37 times through the first two games, obviously dictated by being down big in the second half at points, you, you kind of have to drop back. But there was much more balanced. I thought this week, I think they threw it, uh, you know, 44 times, but again, like a lot of that was the last two drives where they kind of had to, and they're having success throwing the ball. Um, I think Flacco is top. The Jets have given him now it's he's top 12 in the NFL and, in amount of time to throw. So, um, you know, he's getting, he's getting ample time. There's a few, both the sacks I thought actually were on Flacco more than anything. The first one was clearly supposed to be a quick out route to the tight end. Flacco pumped. I don't think he felt, you know, he didn't feel Miles Garrett. And obviously thank God he, <laughs> thank God he got up after that. Um, the Jadavian Clowney one, you know, Zach steps up in the pocket there and is able to kind of make a move. There's obviously some throws yesterday that Zach has to prove he can make. He has the talent to um, when you look at from a Flacco perspective, he makes some of those kind of cooler decisions, you know, the Joe cool quote unquote. Um. You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You know, especially in that two minute drive and things of that nature, that's obviously where you see his veteran savvy kind of coming to, come to play. I agree with you on the Bengals matchup. I think the Jets off defensive line. Um, talk with some of the guys this morning. They all were like, you know, the scheme kind of the way they were kind of having an approach it. The Browns weren't in straight drop back game pretty much at all yesterday. It was a lot of play action stuff, or it was a lot of um, obviously a ton of run game. You know, the Browns running backs are special. The offensive line is good, but when the Jets actually had a couple of chances to rush the passer, they did they did get home. Um, you know, obviously the tackling was not great yesterday, so that was that was one of the issues. But obviously Lawson and Quinnen got you know that was a huge sack in the game. I think it gets kind of forgotten. The Browns were I think it was twenty I believe it was twenty four seventeen or twenty three seventeen whatever it was. They sack him at midfield to back him up, kick him out of you know. Then obviously they just go down. Garrett Wilson it's a drop, and you kind of you know panicking a little bit. Um, there, I want to ask you one last thing on this game because I know we, me and you have both talked about it. We've all talked about it. And I don't think it's hyperbole or whatever the right word is that yesterday could be a franchise changing win. I think you have to be able to see the ball go in the net early on in the season. Um, you know, you're, they've been a batter that's been in a slump for a long time and seeing one kind of squeak through the infield and shouldn't have been a hit, but it is all of a sudden you can kind of get your groove back. How important do you think yesterday was of just, We've seen this game happen to the Jets a million times. The Raiders game obviously always comes to mind, but there's a million of them that come to mind. This is the first time that the Jets kind of were on the other side of the, how did this team just blow this game? Um, I, I think it could be huge, especially the schedule isn't quite as difficult now when you look at it. It's why people should not look at strength of schedule in the preseason. Um, but it doesn't look quite as daunting now the next two weeks. And now they have a little bit of momentum coming home to MetLife. Nick Mangold retirement ceremony, the whole thing. Yeah, look, you got to learn how to win games. It's a skill to win football games. You got to be in some close ones and pull them out. That's why, you know, tanking stuff aside, winning those games against Houston and Jacksonville is kind of important last year because you want your young players in that spot finding ways to make plays when it really matters a lot. And now there starts to be a little more credibility from the coaching staff and the regime when you could win games. And they've had a lot. They had a lot of demons they got to conquer this year. One of them was the September one, which they've now done. The next one is going to be the division one, which I'll have an opportunity to do next against Miami. And if they can get to that Miami game at two and two, which I think is doable. If you look at their next two games, you're, you're really like a fourth of the way to doing what we talked about all off season, having playing meaningful games into November and December and not being out of it. There's a big difference between being 0 and four or one and four or 0 and five and actually being two and two and playing a meaningful division game. And if you could get check that box and then be into November 
uh, around 500. Uh, that's actually making progress. And it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out in terms of timing with quarterback. I still think we'll start Wilson week four, uh, unless Flacco, it's a first world problem. If at this time next week, we're talking about Flacco throwing for 330 yards and the Jets win again, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think his 300 yards week one were very deceiving. He was not good at all week one. I think for 58 minutes, he was a C plus against Cleveland. And then look, he was really good in the last two minutes. And that counts. That's when it matters the most. So let's take it one week at a time. I, I think the locker room should be confident, more confident now that if he can get rid of the ball quicker and get the ball in space to Wilson and Hall and Carter and more, they got a chance. And look, the Cooper Rush just beat the Bengals and Mr. Trubisky beat the Bengals. Why, why can't the Jets find a way to get this game at home? And now that they've actually got this one under their belt, can they better balance? Because the defense was not good against Cleveland. If they get the defensive performance they got week one, matched with the offensive performance and special teams performance from week two, that's a team that could win these next two games. You know, maybe not both, maybe just one, but they're good enough to win the next two games if they could balance out the performance in that way. It's just, can they take that next step in their maturity to have the whole team playing well at once? Because it wasn't there on defense yesterday. They need it back badly, especially against this offensive line. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, the two matchups, obviously, as you mentioned, look, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. The Steelers have never won a game without TJ Watt on the field. They're 0-7, okay? So, like, and they looked – New England could not have looked worse week one. They go on the road and beat them week two. Um, if you can not allow Mick Fitzpatrick to ruin the game, and again, we'll get there and we get there, but and the Jets have two really bad offensive lines coming up. This is the time where the defensive line needs to start kind of take that next step. It's going to be a more traditional kind of offense. Obviously, the you know the Browns again prevent or provide a bunch of unique challenges. The Ravens, I mean, I'm sorry, but the defense, the way they played against Lamar, looking at what the way you know Lamar went off yesterday and scored a zillion points, um, it does make you feel good about the fact that the potential is there. Jordan Whitehead will play better. I you know, coming off barely practice this week was hurt. And I felt like it kind of showed up a big time. Offensively, the Jets can, should be able to run the football. Mike White, Mitch Trubisky, all these guys have beaten the Bengals. The Bengals are going to sit in a lot of zone, a lot of kind of more off coverage. You should be able to see open pockets of space open up for Elijah, for Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Braxton Barris to be used, obviously, as, as normal. And, and Carter and, and Reese Hall should be able to make an impact. You'd like to see, you know, Ruckert more involved. I thought he was I know he didn't maybe grade out fantastic, but I thought he was pretty good actually yesterday. Um, and I know the staff really likes him. So we'll see what kind of happens there. My one point on Zach, I am a little bit frustrated because I feel like the messaging just needs to stop being so all over the place. I think people would rather you just kind of, you know, for solid Zach, people say he feels fantastic. He looks great to float, you know, Oh, if it was up to us, we'd play him, but we're not doctors when he's, technically you know two or three weeks now behind schedule on, on something when there's not been a you know relapse like at some there's no perfect landing spot right and he's six or seven weeks into this injury now he looks great he's throwing he's doing seven on seven you know it's he should be practicing this week and I'd like to see kind of what happens there but um if he's practicing he should like this would be the softest of the landing spots over the next couple of weeks Miami's joke defense is no joke Pittsburgh on the road it's a well-coached team. It's a winnable game, but it, you never know. So this would be the time. The vibes are high. The electricity is there. The offense is starting to roll a little bit to kind of get Zach in there. Um, but at the end of the day, I know it's realistically going to be four, so I'm not kind of blind to that. Um, kind of, I guess, to tie a bow on this, where's your kind of optimism level at from like a level head? We're both, I feel like we're both pretty level-headed. I know we get called negative sometimes, but um, where's your kind of optimism at for, 
you know, this team being able to kind of build on a build on a second game. Do you think it's going to be a lot of emotion, young team, they'll be able to feed off the crowd, or is it going to be one of those situations where like the Cowboys game, or is it kind of that Patriots game we two last year where the crowd's really into it and they almost got too overhyped and then it just kind of collapsed quickly? Yeah, I'm trying not to. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of last year when they beat the Titans and we all picked them to beat the Falcons the following week. Now, there was a different circumstance because they had to fly to London as a young team. And that's a weird way to have to play. And they slept through the first half and then almost rallied back to, you know, make that a really interesting game. My hope is that they learn from that experience and they're not too high on themselves after one win. The environment should be great. And it's good that the Jet fans are finally going to get to have that beyond week one where this stadium should be full and there should be a lot of energy in the building. And they've brought over veterans to help with this stuff. This is why you signed DJ Reed and Lakin Tomlinson and CJ Uzama. And you, you added some guys who have been there before uh, who can hopefully keep the young players in check. Like we won one game is a good opportunity to win a home game here. And it would show a lot of maturity and a step forward from the staff staff in this regime. If they could come out, and go toe-to-toe with the Bengals. They'll probably finish at like plus three and a half or plus four and a half. So they're underdogs. This should be a game that they're right into all the way up to they win. And that much more impressive if they could win. I don't know if you could kill them if they go out and lose 23-20 in overtime or something like that to such a desperate Bengals team. But the point is, is like start stringing together these competitive games and, and find a way to win one of the next two and get two and two to Miami. And then, you know, you take it from there where, you know, the stretch before the bye some parts look softer than we thought they might be. And some parts look a little harder than they might be. You know, that Denver game may be more, more winnable than we thought, you know, green Bay is going to be tough. I think new England should be really winnable. And we talked about this a lot. Can you get to four and five at the bye week And if they can get to four and five at the bye week there's a roadmap there for them to be playing important games into like the second and third week of December, uh, especially with some of the early losses in the AFC, you know, the Raiders are already and two. the AFC South is a, you know, is a mess. Um, you know, the, the AFC North has not been that impressive so far. Now the Browns got a loss. The Bengals are 0 two. No one expected that The Steelers. They don't look like a playoff team so far, but we'll, we'll see. So take it one game at a time, uh, you know, get, get through this. What should be the last start with Flacco uh, continue to have LaFleur take steps forward and balance that out with a good Ulbrich performance. And they got a shot. They really do. They do match up well with the Bengals. It, you know, they're, you know, I know the Mike White game was kind of insane, but that does help a little bit in having confidence that they just saw these guys in this building and beat them. And they, they got a real shot in this one. And I, it's Monday and I'm probably still again, high off the wind, but could see myself picking them to win this one in a really close game. Yeah. If someone got to my head as of, uh, you know, as of Monday, I would say like a 31 23 type of win feels right. My last little 32nd rant. If I see one more person with, a, oh, the Bengals are 0-2. They're going to be desperate. Dude, the Jets are desperate, too. They haven't won in literally a decade, and they just won a game. All these teams are desperate in the NFL, especially early on. That's not a thing. If this was the Bengals are 3-4 and four and they need this one and the Jets were 7-1 and one or 1-7, one and seven, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd feel very – I'd understand that notion. But the Jets are desperate, man. So every team's desperate early in the year. That, I, that shouldn't make a difference. Um Go out there and take care of business. This shouldn't be this, – if this isn't the same old Jets, I don't want to hear, well, this team's desperate and this team's coming off this thing and they had light more days to recover. No, go take care of business. You're at home. It's a big day. Nick Mangold's a franchise legend. He's going to Ring of Honor. It should be a juiced-up atmosphere. No one has school Monday, Tuesday. Like, 
go go win the uh, go win the game. I'll uh, we'll let leave you with this, Joe. Anything on Badlands? You want people profit exchange Badlands stuff? You want people to kind of be uh, be revved up for for the rest of the week? Obviously, the episode last night was fantastic with you and Connor. Of course, we'll have our, our normal weekly flow and all, all that's at uh, patreon.com backslash Badlands TOJ. And of course, for Profit Exchange, happy sponsor of both Badlands and TOJ. Got to remind everyone that when you bet with Profit Exchange, you find your betting edge. Better odds and bigger wins are available on Profit Exchange all season long. First sports betting exchange in the U.S. is now live in New Jersey. New users can receive a 50% deposit match up to 250 Sign up now at njprofitbettingexchange.com or download the Profit Exchange app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Better odds and bigger wins are finally here in New Jersey. Must be 21 and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. For deposit match, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm betting on the Vikings money line tonight because I don't want to see the Eagles go 2-0. So hopefully by the time this is released, that proves to be an accurate bet. But those are the best money line odds you can get from Profit Exchange. And look, uh, Let's hope we're recording more of these across Badlands and TOJ after a win. I, I do don't want to get out over your skis because it's one game and it was a bizarre win. It's not like, you know, a normal win because it never is with the Jets, but a real chance to change the trajectory of the season, especially if they can stack wins up. 100% agree. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back Thursday. Um, it's, you know, full preview to Bengals stuff. We'll have, a, you know, one or two special guests on for you guys. So make sure you're checking out Badlands, subscribe. If you'd, if you'd like to subscribe, rate, review the pod, um, you know, always, uh, always helps out. And uh, happy victory Monday. And we'll talk to you guys uh, on Thursday.